0: Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers chapter one. You may have figured out that we're beginning in Numbers tonight. A lot of metaphorical things in the book of Numbers. Genesis is a book of beginnings. Exodus a book of redemption. Leviticus. A book of law and organization and order. Numbers is a book of success, failure, success, failure, terrible failure, and a blend of worship and war. Sounds like most Baptist churches, I guess worship and war. But you know, if you think about it, really that's the life of the church. We are filled with worship, but in this world we are at war. We have warfare. So as we go through the book of Numbers, there are so many comparisons that can be made uh, with regard to the church. And our lives as believers. So Numbers chapter one begins with the numbering of the soldiers. It's a fairly long chapter, but large portions are just mentioning the numbering of the various tribes. And so we, we move through it fairly quickly. What happens now comes as a direct order from Yahweh. We've studied Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. Um, we last studied Leviticus, I don't know, what, a, a year, a couple years ago. All of the laws and how the people were to live and where they were, what they were to do, what they were not to do, and how they were distinct from other nations and so forth. Worship, how to worship. Sacrifice, the laws of sacrifice, and and, uh, rituals that were given that they might be reminded of their intimate relationship with Yahweh, the God of Israel. So this continues now in in the book of uh, Numbers. These are God's people, and they're in enemy territory. They have marching orders from God. And there is a goal to be attained. Obedience is expected. Worship, of course, is included as part of their daily lives in their march. We'll see that a little bit here in this passage, in this chapter. But the tabernacle and the, and the priesthood are all in the middle of the marching nation, while the other tribes... Or around, front, back, and on the sides. So here we go. Yahweh spoke to Moses in the Sinai Desert, and this is this is our life. We do what Yahweh says. We depend upon Yahweh to give us our direction. In the tent of meeting, on the first day of the second month, the second year after the Exodus from the land of Egypt, saying, "Take the sum of all of the congregation of the sons of Israel by families, following their fathers' houses." a head count of every male according to the number of their names from 20 years old and upwards. All who are fit to go out to the army in Israel, you shall count them by their legions, you and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron have this task to take a census of the men of Israel, 20 years old and older, who are able and fit to be warriors. Yahweh is telling his people. This world will bring you war. You will be in a war. By being the people of God. And seeking to attain what God has called us to do. We will be opposed. Opposed. So you can just expect that. Well, here they are told to count the warriors. Now, we'll see the numbers, but remember the overall population of Israel would include those men who fit within that age category who are not fit for service, plus women and uh, plus children. So here we go. The uh, leaders now are appointed uh, for this uh, task that Yahweh has given to them. With you there shall be a man from each tribe, one who is head of his father's house. These are the names of the men who will stand for you. For Reuben Elitzur, the son of Shedeur; For Simeon Shalumiel the son of Zurishaddai. For Judah, Nashon, the son of Amenadab, It's interesting, Nashon is a forebear of David and also an ancestor of Christ. For Issachar, Nethanel, and the, the son of Zuar. For Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Helon. For the sons of Joseph, for Ephraim, Elishamah. The son of Amachud, for Manasseh, Gamliel, the son of Padazur, for Benjamin, Abaddon, the son of Gideoni, for Dan Ahiezer, the son of Amishadai, for Asher, Pagiel, the son of ochron for Gad Eliesph, the son of Deul, for Naphtali Ahira, the son of Enon and so their numbers are recorded so now we have leaders appointed over each tribe and the task will be then subdivided going from there and the numbers of the people will be recorded. Now there are two census taken. There's one here and one at the end of the book and uh, when we get to the end of the book and we look at that census we'll There'll be many things to be said about the difference between the two accounts. These were the ones summoned by the congregation, the princes of the tribes of their fathers. They are the heads of the thousands of Israel. Okay, so now your first division will be in a division by thousands. Then Moses and Aaron took these men who were indicated by their names And they assembled all the congregation on the first day of the second month, and they declared their pedigrees according to their families, according to their father's houses, according to the number of names, a head count of every male from 20 years old and upward. Now, there had to be proof. There there had to be a a substantiation. It it had to be shown that they were who they said they were and they belonged to where they said they belonged. care here is taken um, in this effort. As Yahweh commanded Moses, so did he count them in the Sinai Desert. This was the sum of the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. Their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Reuben were 46,000, and five hundred. Now you'll take note; they are the thousands, hundreds, and fifties. And what happens is then the the number, uh, the, the the number of the final number that's taken is the number that is rounded, and that's how they're counted here uh, all the way through for the sake of uh, the census of the tribe of Simeon. Their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, his tally, according to the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Simeon, 59,300. Of the tribe of Gad, their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male, 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Gad, 45,650 of the tribe of Judah, their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Judah, 74,600, Judah being the largest tribe, Issachar, I think, is the second largest, of the tribe of Issachar, their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male, from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Issachar, 54,400. Of the tribe of Zebulun, their descendants, according to their families, according to their fathers' houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Zebulun, 57,400. Of the children of Joseph, 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 the Of the tribe of Ephraim, their descendants according to their families, according to their fathers' houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Ephraim, 40,500. Of the tribe of Manasseh, their descendants according to their families, according to their fathers' houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Manasseh, 32,200 of the tribe of Benjamin, those, uh, their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Benjamin, 35,400 of the tribe of Dan, their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male From 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Dan, 62,700. Well, that was a large group as well. Of the tribe of Asher, their descendants, according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Asher, 41,500 of the tribe of Naphtali, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Naphtali, 53,400. These are the numbered ones whom Moses and Aaron and the 12 princes of Israel counted, each one representing his father's house. All the sons of Israel were counted according to their father's houses, from 20 years and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army. The sum of all of those who were counted, 603,550. Now that's just the men from 20 years old and upward who were fit to be soldiers. That doesn't count the older men who were not fit Men within that age, within that uh, age bracket who were not fit, uh, women and children. Uh, So the the number that we we've been given back in the book of Exodus of between two and three million obviously is appropriate because you'd probably want to multiply by at least four the number of 603,000, that gets you to 2.4, 2.5 million, something like that. So somewhere between two and three million people are making their way out of Egypt and toward Canaan, the promised land. So they're in the midst of a land that is not theirs. They are headed to a land that is promised to them. If they obey and if they Follow the direction of Yahweh, and He's very careful to give them direction and to make provision for them. If they follow the direction and guidance of Yahweh, if they follow the appointed leaders, Moses and Aaron, if they do this, it shouldn't be that long of a journey. Now, they're in the midst of enemies. There will be battles to be fought. There will be battles to be won. There will be victories that must be accomplished and attained by the people of God. So it's interesting to me, just out of the book of Exodus now, through the book of Leviticus, but they've, they've been settled and encamped during the time the law is given and all the instructions are given. But now they are to arise and they are to begin the trek to which God has purposed them. And the first thing that God tells them is this, you're going to have to be arrayed for war. You won't be easily and readily accepted and so you're going to have to be fit To do battle. Now we're going to see here as well something that is just as interesting, and then we'll put it all together uh, at the end of this. The Levites are exempted from this uh, military service. But the Levites, according to their father's tribe, were not numbered among them. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, and you shall not reckon their sum among the children or the sons of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all of its vessels and over all that belong to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and they shall minister to it and they shall encamp around the tabernacle. In the book of Exodus, we studied how they carefully crafted and built and made the tabernacle. The place, the place where Yahweh said He would meet His people, it was the, it was the, it was the place of the presence of Yahweh uh, in the midst of His people, and it was the center of worship that Yahweh had uh, described, defined, uh, and declared for His people. So, in the middle of the whole thing, centerpiece to the whole thing was worship. The promise of the presence of Yahweh who would travel with them. So the Levites here and what they do are seen as doing something that is as important as what the warriors were to do. So it was warfare and worship. These were the two aspects of the lives of the Israelites. Very important uh, to the, to the accomplishment, to the purpose, to what God had called them to do, what God was leading them to do. Now we're going to see across, well, let me go ahead and finish this. Um, when the tabernacle is set to travel, the Levites shall dismantle it. And when the tabernacle camps, the Levites shall erect it. Any outsider who is a non-Levite who approaches shall be put to death. The sons of Israel shall encamp each man by his own camp and each man by his uh, division. The Levites shall encamp around the Mishkan of the testimony, the tabernacle. And so there be no wrath upon the congregation of the sons of Israel. And the Levites shall keep the charge of the Mishkan, the tabernacle of the testimony, the tent of the testimony. And the sons of Israel did according to all that Yahweh had commanded Moses Thus did they do. So they get a good start here. The Levites had a a fairly difficult task. They were to be sure that the tabernacle and all of the vessels and instruments of the tabernacle were properly um, deconstructed, disassembled, and carried along in the march. This was their their job. They had to take it apart. And they had to tend to it, make sure it was taken care of while they carried it along. Whenever the people stopped for camp, the Levites had to do the complicated task of putting all of that back together, assembling it in a proper fashion, just the way that Yahweh had defined in the book of Exodus. They had to do everything properly and just right, and they had to be prepared all the time when they were in camp for the worship of the people, to lead the people in worship. Now the priests, the priesthood, the sons of Aaron, the the priesthood were over the instruction of the Levites, and the the Levites were to assist uh, the priesthood in all of this. Now, there's a. Josephus tells an interesting story. I'll give it to you the way that, well, it's paraphrased a little bit. The way that Josephus um, gave it in, in a historic, it's not biblical, uh, it's not part of the biblical writing, but it is an historical writing that Josephus presents. And I, I, I would guess that probably it's, some of it's correct anyway. Josephus talks about how uh, Moses had a wife who was not an Israelite. She was an Ethiopian. Moses, for the first 40 years of his life, according to secular historical accounts, was the commander in chief of all of the military forces of Egypt, the greatest power in the world in that day. A rival to the power of Egypt was Ethiopia. And a capital city of Ethiopia was in a well-protected part of of the midst of a swampy area. And that swampy area was filled with, with poisonous snakes, very strong poison, very lethal. That was part of the protection of this uh, Ethiopian capital, that the city would sit with this marsh that extended well beyond, all around it, and, an, and enemy soldiers would die within minutes or maybe a couple of hours if they tried to march through that marsh to make it into the capital city. The Ethiopians, according to Josephus, began to challenge Egypt's power along certain trade routes, and this was affecting the economy of Egypt. So Pharaoh calls Moses to assemble his armies and to attack Ethiopia and take the capital city and bring Ethiopia down so that these attacks on these caravans and the trouble that was being caused to the uh, to the trade of Egypt would be stopped. Moses was a great commander. He calls all of his armies together and he begins to march. And he reaches the outer region, the outer realm of where the capital city was. And it was noted that the swamp was filled with these extraordinarily poisonous snakes. And they were everywhere. And so Moses has his soldiers to camp back in a safe place while he thinks about this. And he gathers his counselors. And he created a, a small group of men. He said, these people have to get in and out of that city. And we're going to watch them until we discover how that happens. So he had watchmen all around and they watched day and night and it happened upon a time when a girl made her way out of the city. She took certain birds, storks with her, certain kind of bird that really enjoyed feasting on these kinds of snakes. And so these birds would go in ahead of her And they would gobble up all of these snakes and she would walk safely across the marsh. And she was surrounded by these birds. And she came back in. So Moses said the next time she does this, capture that girl. He didn't understand at the time about the storks. And so the time came, they captured the girl. She was brought before Moses. And he inquired of her. How is it that you can walk safely through this marsh with all of these snakes and we cannot? And she bargained with Moses. Now, this is according to Josephus, this Ethiopian girl. And she said, If you will make me your wife, I'll tell you the secret. I've had a march through this swamp. Well, Moses said, You got a deal. You'll be my wife if we can march through here successfully according to your counsel. And so she told him about this particular kind of bird. And she said, you gather all of those kinds of birds that you can find and you send them out ahead of you. And they will pretty much clear out the snakes and you can just march right in and take the city. And that's exactly what happened according to the historical record. And so he made this this young girl... His wife, this Ethiopian girl, according to Josephus. Now, that's not in the Bible. That's in a secular historical account. Moses came back to the uh, to the high accolades of the Pharaoh and the people because he had defeated an enemy that otherwise was very difficult to defeat, namely Ethiopia. This is an example of what was faced all of the time by people in that area. Area By the hand of Yahweh, the Israelites had escaped the Egyptians. The Red Sea had parted. They went over on dry ground. They were headed to the promised land. But you can't hide nearly 3 million people marching across your land if you're the king of another kingdom. So, obviously, to follow the will of the Lord... And to pursue the purpose of God in your life. You have to you have to face dangerous things and you have to do battle. But in the midst of making your way from where you're going to where God would take you out of the place of slavery to the place of freedom. In order to make this trek. Obedience is necessary. And worship is vital. So just daily, the people, the people had to understand that Yahweh was to be deeply involved in their lives and what they did. Yes, we'll do battle. Yes, we will go to war. And yes, we must worship Yahweh. Now it says here, the sons of Israel did according to all that Yahweh had commanded Moses, thus they do. Now that's chapter 1 of, Num- of Numbers. It don't stay that way. Along the way, they'll begin to murmur and mumble and complain. And sin will creep in and rebellion will creep in and things will go wrong. And we will see what the people did and how Yahweh dealt with the people in those times of sin and failure. First 10 chapters or so are are pretty good. But then things begin to fall apart. And then the summary is made at the end of it, and another count is made of the people. And you have to look overall at the book of Numbers as for that generation of Israelites, you have to see it as a failure. They failed to accomplish the task that Yahweh had placed before them, namely, go into the land of promise. There will have to be another generation to replace that generation. These things become evident as we make our way through the book of Numbers. It's really a very exciting reading. It's uh, it's very interesting. And there are many spiritual lessons to learn along the way. The first lesson we learn here in chapter one is that, yes, we are warriors as God's people in this world. We must be prepared to do battle. But it cannot be disconnected from the truth that we are worshipers of God. And these things, these two things in particular, we must be prepared for and dedicated to as we make our trek in this life before God. Let's pray together. We'll be dismissed. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word and all that it teaches to us. Bless us in our study that we might grow before you. In Jesus' name, amen.